We're back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have a guest. Um, a guest that I guess we won't name. Maybe we'll bleep him out. He asked to be uh, his name to be left out of this. But he's a good friend of ours from college. I think I met him maybe a little bit before college. But he works in finance and he will be an open book for the good and the bad inside of the finance world. So specifically, uh, you know, like early on analyst investment banking specifically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be good because usually when someone comes on and gives their name, they can't say the full story or they're you a little bit apprehensive because of the backlash that they could possibly face. So to have someone that's coming on anonymous and they're going to share the ups and the downs, the good and the bad. I don't know. I, I think it's good because it's it's real. It's raw. I guess this will be like the first time we have like bleeps in our episode. So this is this is a a moment for us. Let's celebrate. No, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's get in. We're super excited to uh, announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement. And it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. Can you please uh, introduce yourself for the listeners? Yes, sir. So, hi. I'm currently an investment banker at a large bank considered a bulge bracket. Um, I guess be a brief background about myself. I'm originally from, um, you know, Eastern Long Island. Yeah, uh, yeah, I grew up in the Eastern Long Island area. I went to Stony Brook University for a year. Um, before transferring out to Northwestern University in uh, Chicago, Evanston, Illinois area. Um, you know, I know JP and, and Shaw um, through actually Shaw's cousin, Ziad, um, who I grew up with. So, you know. I just, I'm Shaw, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shaw Ta. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, See, I guess, yeah, not everybody knows the, the nicknames. The nicknames, yes. Yeah, only some yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when yes. did you graduate? Oh, uh, yeah. So I graduated in uh, 2020, right into the COVID pandemic. Gosh, um, like all of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I was an economics major at Northwestern. You know, I, I was on the rowing team for a little bit. Really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. I rode for a little bit. It was it was fun, but I got injured after a while because I was just working out too much. I yeah. guess. Was it your shoulders? No, it was actually my lower back. I got a herniated uh, disc. Working out way too much, getting oh. way too big, <laughs> way too mean, yoked. If that's what if that's how you want to put it, I mean, I don't want to say anything, but you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. So, when did you uh, start working? In, in this position this was your first out of college yeah position, right? yeah so actually the story is um so i graduated june 2020 
Um, you know, I was, I, I was really looking for like an investment analyst position, you know, try to go into like research, pick stocks and stuff, but that just wasn't going to happen right out of the gate out of college. And, you know, graduating to a tough job market, I couldn't really find a job actually for a long period of time. It was around Even one though and you half. went to Northwestern, which is like a public or not, not a public, it's private, but it's a really yeah. good university. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I thought I was going to, I thought like on paper, like everything seems great. I thought that was going to get me to the door everywhere, but no, that was not the case. It took me, yeah, like one and a half years to actually get like a real, a real job. Um, So from June, 2020 to September, 2021, um, I I was just unemployed, sitting at home, doing nothing, um, picking stocks. You know, I was just like, you know, I was, I was in the market, like how everybody else our age was during that time. Yeah, I remember that 2020, like, as soon as COVID hit, all of a sudden, everyone was into stocks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, like... Because everything uh, plummeted, so everyone's like, yo, I could buy this shit cheap. Yeah, buy the dip. Everybody's just trying to buy the fucking dip. And it's like... Yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Plus, people had a lot of time on their hands. It's so easy to invest now. Download Robinhood. I don't, that was I such don't, a fun time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was such a fun time. Every Buy day anything was, and what and make shit tons of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was it was a good time then, but yeah, like looking for a job in that sort of like state, that job market was just really tough. How were the interviews in that? Because I'm used to tech interviews, and that's more like you know asking yeah. about my knowledge. I don't know how yours is. Yeah, yeah. So. um you know, it depends really on really in, in the really where in finance you're you're trying to aim for. So like, I had like a, an array of interviews with a with a whole different, you know, well with many different divisions that you could go into, like banking, trading, research, and within each of those verticals, you can have you you have to use like a different part of your brain in order to get the job done. So, like, you know, depending on the type of position, I guess, like, uh, relevant to me, investment banking, right? So, a lot of the questions were very product-specific. Like, what do you know about this, um, about this product that, you know, we're trying to sell to the market? And, you know, I'll go into, like, what I do, you know, in a few minutes, and, like, I'll give you, like, a real good in in-depth, detailed look at, like, how actually how things actually work, but a lot of it, a lot of investment banking interviews, in my experience, which is which are the majority of my interviews, um, you know, they ask. It's really about fit, how you fit into the culture of that specific team. You know, as I said, like, what do you know about the product that you're, you know, you're about to market to people as a professional job, and you know. How, how driven are you, I guess, and how willing are you to sort of sacrifice a large chunk of your day to one one thing? How large of a chunk? Uh, you know, I guess I'm spending 18 to 19 hours every day just Jeez. doing work, which is not fun. Bro, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's almost every week, it's like, 
80 to 100 hours. Some weeks are like 70 hours, which is nice. But <laughs> most of it. 70 hours, which is nice. Most of it is just heavy lifting. It's That's investment banking. Yeah, in a nutshell. But, um, yeah, do you guys want me to talk a little bit like what I actually do in my job? Uh, yeah, I mean, also kind of give us a, you know, peek at like the behind the scenes. I yeah. mean, like what, what, how does it function? Like, is it actually as crazy as people make banking out to be or people like mad emotional and like, is, are is there, it your seniors really mean this, and shit? Yeah. People just screaming with suits on. <laughs> I mean, basically actually, I'm not even kidding. So, uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess the way to segment this would be, I'll give you like an overview of what I do. Um, and then I'll, yeah, I'll give you the behind the scenes of like, what is it actually like, you know, because a lot of people, they, they have like this image in their mind of like what investment banking is. And to some extent it is true, but yeah, we'll get into that. Um, so I work in this thing called securitizations. So if anybody has, who's listening to this has ever seen the big short, that's sort of like the type of stuff that I do. So I specifically work um, in asset-backed securities. Um, you know, investment banking, it's a very broad term. You, know, you Obviously, anybody who's, who knows a little bit about the stock market knows that knows what an IPO is, knows what like a merger and acquisition is when a company buys another company or when a, a company wants to go to, wants to become a public company. Yeah. And, you know, that's just only one aspect of investment banking. That's, that's called, that's on the equity side, but I work on the, the debt side. So bonds also utilize investment bankers, you know, in, uh, in order, in their, in sort of their, like their, I don't know how to describe it. Like, on the, both debt and equity, you need investment bankers to for companies to make money and to sort of like you know gain financing to to sort of carry on their operations, which is literally yeah. the only reason of capital markets exist, right? Capital markets are just a way for companies to get money so that quickly they, raise money, yeah, yeah, to continue on with their operations. So I work on the debt side in a very narrow. Um, sector you have regular bonds which are just you know obligations by the company right so yeah I'm on the debt side so bonds are just a way for companies to you know raise capital quickly because uh, investors who buy bonds are just providing the company with money in order for them to receive you know the money that they gave the company back at a later point in future. So that's what a bond is, right? It's okay, just but then they're promising a percent interest on that? Yes, exactly, right? So you get your IOU plus a little bit extra on top, which is called interest. That's the overall, that's what a general definition of a bond is. I work in a specific type of bond called asset-backed securities. An asset-backed security is literally just, um, it's a bond, but instead of, uh, so in a regular general bond called an unsecured bond, the company is liable um, to their 
continuity of their operations in order to pay back investors. And then as to back security, the company is not liable to their continuity of operations. They're liable to sort of the assets that they have um, on their, you know, financial, on their balance sheet um, in order to pay back investors. So that's a very complicated and high-level way of describing an asset back security. Asset back securities are only um, used in certain types of companies. So like, let's give, let, let, I guess an example would be good to sort of like clear everything up. Let's say you go to a dealership, right? Dealership, you, you can't afford to buy the car, so you need a loan. You tell the you tell your sales you tell the salesman, hey, I can't I don't have any money to buy this car. Can I get a loan from the dealership or some credit lender, right? Yeah. The lender, in order for them to extend the loan to the customer, they have to get the money from somewhere. So at first, you know, investors will invest into that lending business, and that's the way the lender can sort of like you know start operating. But after a while, investors, you know, investors only invest at one point in time, right? Usually at the initiation of the, of the business. But in order to s- sustain a lending business, lenders will sort of go to the asset-backed securities market. Right when you when a lender lends some lends you know cash to a customer, um, they write on their balance sheet. They record that loan on their balance sheet as an asset. The thing is, in order to get more money to lend to more people, they will literally take all the loans on their balance sheet. Say it's like a million loans. They have a million customers, so they have a million loans on their balance sheet. They'll literally take them, they'll put them into like a pool and then they'll literally sell that group of loans to investors because A, the loans, you know, they're cash flow producing assets. And so now instead of the company being liable to investors who, um, who so yeah, in essence, if, if that lend, if that, lender went to the capital markets with an unsecured bond, investors would be liable or would take on the risk of the company not being able to pay that loan back, pay that bond back. But now that the lender has um, a pool of assets to which they can sell to the investor, now the only risk that the investor takes on is that cash flow um, from the actual loan rather than the actual business operations of the company. Does that make sense so far? So the, the risk is not on the business, it's on... It's on, that, it's on that pool of loans. So then what's the risk there? So the risk, right, say a customer, they don't have like the greatest credit profile, meaning like, you know, they, they just have shitty credit. What that means to like a lender is like, oh, they have a higher risk of not being able to pay that loan back. And so when an investor, the risk that they take on by investing into asset-backed securities is 
the risk that the customer may not be able to pay that loan back rather than the actual company not being able to pay the bond back. Does that make sense? Gotcha. So if, I guess my question is, if the company's giving out loans, how did they, where's the pool of money uh, being generated from? Okay, that's an amazing question. So the way companies generate money to lend out to people is through selling this pool of, selling loans, right? Oh, so they're so selling it to get the, the liquidity from the investors? Yes, exactly. Right? Okay. So I guess, I guess maybe I can like, I, I don't know about, I don't know, I'm trying to like sort of dumb down the language, but I don't know, because I, I want everybody to understand who's listening to this, but when, when a lender, they need money, they'll take these loans that they have on their balance sheet, they'll come to me, right? They'll come to the investment banker because the investment banker is the middleman between the, the actual company and the investor. What we do, what my job is, is I take those 100,000 loans, those million loans, I package them into a bond. It's what is called a structured product because every pool of loans is different. They all have different risk profiles and they all have different credit characteristics. And depending on where you are in the credit risk premium, meaning depending on how risky those loans are based on the actual underlying performance, um, the, the repayment performance of that, of that, loan pool, investors can gain different, you know, yields on different bonds, right? And it's my job as the investment banker to sort of securitize, literally make these loans into a security that, you know, investors can buy in the form of a bond and be able to sort of say to the investor, hey, this pool of loans has... X, Y, and Z characteristics. Yeah, so it's like my job would be to say to the investors, hey, this pool of loans will give you a 10% yield. And what that means is that the entire loan pool on an aggregate basis will over time, say like three years, because, you know, bonds, they're not like, they come in like different Year yeah. ranges, yeah. Yeah, year ranges, right? So a three-year bond over three Target years. Target date or whatever? Yeah, exactly, right? So like you have a 10-year bond, you have a three-year bond, two-year bond. So at the end of three years, you'll earn a 10% yield from the day that you invested money into the uh, into this bond. Um, and that's called a coupon, right? The coupon is the interest payment. I guess like I... I Yield, I kind of like, I, I use that as like a, as a blanket term. Coupon is the interest. Yield is actually like the difference in price from when you buy the bond to when you sell the bond. Because like bonds actually trade on the stock, or trade on their, on, in the bond. They have a market. secondary market. Yeah. yeah. They have a secondary market. They trade like a stock, right? There's prices for bonds. So, okay. So like, what's the, what's the goal of your position? Like where, where do you provide the value? Right. So as an analyst, my job is to just do all the bitch work for, <laughs> for, for these transactions. So um, I'll give you an example of a deal that I'm working on right now. It's all very deal-based. Each deal 
is literally just one bond. And then, you know, once the deal closes, I don't even think about that bond ever again. Um, so yeah, let me give you a recent transaction. So right now I'm working on like this auto loan deal. Um, you know, we have this, uh, auto loan, uh, this auto financing company. They have these loans. They say, Hey, we want to get more money. We'll, we'll, can you securitize this pool of loans and then sell them to investors? What, it, what literally happens is that the company, they'll literally send me an entire Excel file of like 100,000 loans, right? I'll literally get the account numbers of each loan. I'll get the name of each person. I'll get like how much money they make. How much is the loan worth? How much has the person paid off on that loan? What is the interest rate on the loan? I get a whole bunch of information about that loan. And you there's get to know a lot about these people. Yeah, I and these are just random people and like say like Missouri, right? And because uh, like a lot of the well, it could be Missouri, but I call it, it could literally be any anywhere in the world actually. But yeah, for this example, we'll just take Missouri. And yeah, so uh, I will do what is called a collateral analysis. A collateral analysis is I literally take these 100,000 loans and I sort of, you know, create data tables based on, you know, based on certain parameters. Like we'll take like the weighted average, you know, remaining term of like the entire, you know, pool of loans, meaning like r- remaining Meaning, say the loan is for 60 months, you know, how many months is left, you know, in the loan. And so, you know, I'll create like these huge tables and create like these huge like data packages for, you know, my, uh, my bosses to sort of look at to gain an understanding of like, you know, what's going on with this loan pool, right? What's like the general characteristics of it? Um, you know, how much can we sell this loan pool for? Because like, you know, say it's worth like $3 billion, right? There's a whole bunch of other like things that go into it, but at a high level, say the aggregate principal amount of this loan pool is $3 billion. We have to sort of take an over under of how much we can sort of cut this pool and sell, cut, like take a chunk of this pool and sell to investors. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just doing a lot of data work, but besides that, there's also the marketing aspect of, of selling these bonds. Right. Cause like in equity, when, when you go to an IPO, you got to figure out the strong characteristics of that pool and then you can, you know, advertise based on what it has to offer. Yeah, and exactly. Strong points. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause like what, what's, we do what's called a road show. We literally, you know, say, Hey, this is what the, what this loan pool entails. You know, this is what the bond will pay you. You know, we give them like what's called a sales memo. We give them like what is called an offering memorandum, meaning like this is the risks. This is the business that you're about to invest in. This is the, you know, the characteristics of the collateral. So on one side, there's a technical work. On the other side, there's a marketing work. 
Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to the Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash blackbox, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. And the reason why the hours are so long is because depending on where you work, there's a lot of deals, right? Coming, going in, like I work at like a bulge bracket bank. And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies will come to us for financing and for help to raise money by selling their bonds. And, you know, more money causes more problems, I guess. <laughs> more money, You're so more busy that, and you want to turn them around as quick as possible. So it's yeah. like whatever comes in that day, you got to get out. Or yeah. you have to, uh, is it like you need to finish your work so you can pass it on to the next person above you so they can do their next layer of analysis or whatever they do? Because it, yeah. it's not like they're putting all the trust into the youngest people, the analysts. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's, that's right. Like these transactions, they take a little bit of time actually. It's not like, Oh, one day, uh, the company, you know, comes to us, gives us the loan pool and we like get it out to investors like three days later. It takes around like a month or a month and a half, actually. Oh, shit. So, so like, there's a lot of work that goes into it because, like, you know, rating agencies also have to sort of rate the bond, right? Like, you know how the United States has like a double A rating from Moody's. Okay. Like that's what's called like a, a credit rating. Like there's there's one, two, three. There's five rating agencies that sort of rate fixed income products because all bonds need to be rated by these agencies in order okay. to be able to market it to investors and investors also rely on those ratings. Actually, that's the biggest reason. That's one of the biggest reasons why the stock market crashed in 2008. It's because these rating agencies were just passing off AAA ratings to like these, you know, junk ABS um, securities and, you know, investors weren't sort of understanding of the actual risks or the actual, you know, low quality of the underlying collateral that were in these, like, in these, uh, you know, yeah. at the time, mortgage-backed securities. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of it has to do with a lot of process. Um, but, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so let's get, let's get to, like, the good stuff. I get yelled at, like, all the time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like really? yeah it's it's not fun like this job it's great because like you earn a lot of money but at the same time you just it's 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 debilitating at the same time because it, depending on your personality type like i'm more of an introverted person i like to sort of read and take my time to like 
think things through. In this job, you cannot think at all. It's all do, 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 right? It's all action, no think. It's all process, which is, you know, depending on the type of person, you can either love it or hate it. And, you know, the personalities that are on my team, they're, You know, if they're if they're listening, <laughs> I love you guys. Speechless. <laughs> yeah, I love I love you know I love my team, right? But at the same time, I feel like you're probably scared of at least like two of them. Oh yeah, yeah, because like they just they just they just don't make the environment like you know welcoming or fun or just like you want to enjoy what you do. You don't want to be like miserable. Yeah. Well, have you ever second guessed your, like, sector path? Because it's, like, known to be so difficult Um, and harsh. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I do it on a daily basis. (laughs) Like, I wake up in the morning thinking, like, God damn it, why did I get myself into this? Right? Um, I'm the same way. That's why I, you know, found a new position because of things that I didn't like about my previous one. Yeah, exactly. Like, when you're in a... Like, I don't sleep much anymore, which stinks, right? And it just... It, it kills. Yeah, like, but the sleep is so bad because you're, like, anxious and high-strung all the time that you only get, like, an hour or two of good sleep and the other hours are you just, like, waking up every 30 to 45 minutes. You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know it. And it's just, like... Yeah, it's literally just, like... Fuck. I know it, but I know it by choice because I just have a lot, so much going on not really because of my job though yeah no yeah like i wake up in the morning like i'll get up at like 5 30 in the morning and i can't even go back to sleep because i'm just like damn dude i have so much work to do and it's like i have this pile of work in front of me but i can't like physically get myself out of bed so i'll just sit there thinking damn dude i have so much work but i just <laughs> I, I don't want to do it right now you know and yeah, and there's also, like, this way, like, I guess, for me personally, I just, when I walk in to my office, it's like, ugh. Are you working from home, or? No, I'm in the office every day. I was in the office every day in my last position, too. Yeah, I don't really like that. I kind of like to work I don't, I like work from home. Yeah, I feel more calm. Um, but, yeah, like, I'll walk into the office, and I'll, into the office and I'll just be like, what's going to happen today? You know, who's going to yell at me today? Who's going to, and a lot of the times getting yelled, I get yelled at for the dumbest reasons. It's like, I can't even describe to you how, how dumb some of these things are. Like yesterday I got talked to because one of the folders that we have on our, on our hard drive was unorganized. And then I, I, the, the person it just blamed me, it on you, yeah. Yeah, the person sent me a little note. They're like, "Why is it not organized?" I didn't answer, and I was like, "And she and they, you know, followed up." There's like, they're like, "Do you like? Why aren't you responding to me?" It's like, I don't have time for these fucking small things. Right? <laughs> this stuff is inconsequential to the overall goal of this job. It sounds like you're putting being put through a, the ringer, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know, it reminds me of a little bit how I felt myself. Yeah, it's this just is like, like survival mode. Yeah, seriously, though, I feel like I'm gonna die every day. It's like I mean, you shouldn't feel like that. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's true. Like, I, I wish I didn't because, like... I mean, you could... All, it's never too late to change anything. So just don't think about it like that because if you're really that unhappy and you don't, it's not going to get any easier or any better yeah. for you, then you could always reconsider not to fucking sway you off your career path and your goals. No, but. no like this has nothing to do with my goals, actually, like the job that I'm in. <laughs> what do you want to go into? Uh, I'd love to do like stock research. Investment banking is like the yeah. first. Do you want to be like a, a, why don't you try to get a junior trader job? Yeah, I actually had a bunch of interviews with, uh, as like a junior trader. Um, just never really panned out, I guess. Just at the wrong time, wrong place. But also, I feel like junior trader is a very, very intense job as well, right? Really? It's very, yeah, because like, it's just like you're making split second decisions every single time because you're literally buying and selling all day. Um, and it's just like very in those positions how are you who's making the decision to buy and sell like are you just doing based on what someone's saying or they're trusting you to trade for with people's money um they're trust they're trusting you to trade like you won't like if a junior trader like you obviously won't be trading you'll just be you know supporting the other traders actually who do the trades but yeah you're making you're making decisions on the spot actually um but I like I like research more because it's just like you just gain a more fundamental understanding of the world around you. I think it's just more impactful, and I also like to learn a lot. I feel like I've gotten dumber in my job. I actually feel like I'm way dumber than I was when I started than before I started. I want you to explain to us and to the listeners what like why would somebody put up with the lifestyle that comes with your job like wh- why are you doing it like what are the benefits now and what it, what are the benefits later on yeah um so i guess like all right first and foremost i guess i would say it's the money right you earn like a good amount of money um at a young age and it's like a job that Opens a lot of doors if you put in the work now, um, you know, depending on where you want to be in your life. So the benefits now of going through this terrible process is um, like you, you, really, <laughs> you, 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 you really get like a good understanding of sort of the product that you know, you, uh, you know, actually, I don't even know what the benefits are. I'm try- I feel like I'm just lying to myself. Because, like, <laughs> this just sounds like you're having a realization. No, like the thing is, you have this realization every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that like investment banking, most people, what they do, what the, what the typical path is, you do two years of investment banking, you go to the buy side private equity private equity and then you go to a hedge fund right so all these is it because hedge funds deal with more like lesser but more lucrative deals that they like the quantity is less so it's not as busy technically yeah exactly right they're looking for opportunities that will give them the most amount of money without with the least amount of work you know yeah 
But what the investment banking position does is it teaches you a lot about attention to detail, how to get things done in, you know, by certain deadlines, teaches you organization, like organizational skills. Yeah. Um, but also teaches you a lot about like, you know, the market, like the stock market. Like it gives you a lot of idea about what the bond market is. Right. Because like, it's two sides to the to the same coin. You have your sell side and your you have your buy side. Yeah. Right now we're just people start on the sell side because like you gotta understand what you're gonna end up eventually buying. So a lot of a lot of the way the the job market and finance is, is structured is like more senior people they'll look for people with investment banking backgrounds because they they know that those candidates will have a very good understanding of corporate finance, structured finance, have a very high attention to detail and be able to sort of like, you know, thrive under pressure. And And I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with Zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools. You know, that's, I don't, it's kind of counterintuitive because like you would think, oh, in a less stressful job, such as the buy side, why would you need to go through the ringer? It just prepares you to sort of, you know, how do I describe this? Like you have to earn your stripes because like a going through like a really tough time sort of like, you know, polishes mental, you. Mental toughness. Yeah. yeah. Mental toughness. It polishes you, but also enables you to sort of like make big decisions in very short amount of, you know, in a short makes you more, time frame. Makes you more confident, I guess, once yeah. you're not deep in it. Yeah, it makes you more confident, more calm to deal with things, you know. Because, okay. you know, right now it's just all grunt work. But as you get older, you get paid for your thoughts rather than, like, your actual. <clears throat> okay. So, um, so basically it's like, it's. I, I guess it's. You could draw a parallel between what you're doing now is equivalent to like the medical industry to being in med school or residency, right? Yeah. In terms of intensity and all that, so that you could reap, like, so that you could live a nice life, do like something cool in the future, right? Like something yeah. you would really enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, I think it's like a really dumb dumb thing that we have in our world that we have to decide that we've decided oh investment bankers you know they they're more they're more they're most privy to sort of like you know the best jobs but i don't i don't think that's the case at all like i think a lot of investment bankers they they're it's just a job right at the end of the day it's just a job and because you can, and you you limit yourself by being an investment banker for the rest of your life. Because a, it's not entrepreneurial in any sense of the word, unless you get to sort of like the managing director position or the executive director position, which is a step down. Um, right? Because like, even at that point, you're limited by the salary that the bank will pay you, and your bonuses are only, you know delegated based on the actual fee structure that the bank will pay you. And 
you know, I I don't think that investment banking is a very, I don't think that investment banking is a great career path in the long run because a all the people that I work with are not married. And really, you know, they're not married. Yeah, only one person on my team is married. Maybe two actually. Yeah. Wait, how how old are the people on your team? Um, they're all less than like forty five actually. Okay, but so, they're. In their 30s, 40s? Um, most of them are late 30s, early 40s. What the f... They're, they're just not- living in, like, big-ass apartments in Manhattan. I'm saying, it's okay to not be married, but when you're saying, like, pretty much all of them aren't, then that's alarming. Because Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a very alarming thing, right? You don't want to be in a position where the people around you have the type of lives that they do, right? And you always want to be surrounded by people who can sort of lift you up rather than make you feel like, oh, you know, this is kind of a waste of time for me to be here because, A, I see you, and I don't want to be anything like you when I grow up, you know? Yeah. It's just... So, and I also feel like, like you too, like, you already have your own skills in trading. Like, I bet you, at some point in your life you'd want to fully give that a shot or... No, yeah, exactly. Like, and you can, especially when you're in banks, you, you got, like, actual rules against it and shit. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult, right? Because, like, I, I I have some money, but I can't even use it, right? I have, like, that's the, that's also another big dilemma of, the, of this career path. And, and it kind of sucks that the way my industry is structured, that there's so much reliance on going through banking first in order to do anything cool afterwards, right? I have, I have like, resources, but I can't even use them on a daily basis because I'm literally just stuck in the office all day. Even on the weekends, I have to do work. And I only have a few hours of my of the weekends to even go enjoy and live my life. But at the end of the day, you know, it's only two years, right? You can rationalize that point. But Yeah, the two years really gives you some form of hope because you talking about it and not introducing the two years, I'm yeah. over here getting anxious. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, the your coworkers that you you're saying are in your their late thirties. They're associates and MDs and stuff, right? So yeah. they're not doing this, right? Um, no, uh, you know they actually still stay late, right? They still all these guys like today. Half my team, almost all my team, was there till fucking eight o'clock on a fucking Friday. Like why? I've, like I've, I, I just I don't get it. Like because why? Why do they have to go so hard? They have no other thing. They have nothing else to do with their life. Well, because <laughs> in the point of your life in your twenties, where you'd establish relationships or you know, like build hobbies or build side hustles, they make yeah. you commit your whole life. So then you know. And you know, my biggest qualm with this is like. You don't need any of the things that investment banking teaches you unless you have the goals of everybody else who joins finance, right? We have to be honest. A lot of people, they just do the same thing that everybody else does. What's the standard path, right? It's all about standardization. Standardization sucks because like when when you live your life, why would you want to be like everybody else, right? You have to have some sort of independent thought. And, you know, if we look at any of the top people in the world, right, people who literally control the entire world, 
what makes them the only ones that they have independent thought, right? If they were yeah. like, if they thought like everybody else, they would literally be like everybody else, but they had some independence in their thinking. And so it's a little bit counterintuitive where we in this, in this industry sort of say, Hey, you know, be ambitious, be an independent thinker, you know, be smart. Within the moment, right? you're too much of an independent thinker. Never mind. Yeah, it goes against you. And I feel that, I feel like that in my job, right? Every, nobody, like, like, I mean, the entire jo- corporate market and job market, it's all bullshit. It's fake words and buzzwords. And yeah. Are you, are you motivated? Are you, you know, committed to pick, are you a quick learner? All yes. this shit. Like it's all the same word, same time. All it means is, are you willing to put your, put the job before your fucking life? Yeah, exactly. That fucking sucks. Like, I hate that. I just, it just pains me because like, I come to my job every day and it's like, fuck me. You know, like, I gotta sit here for another like 16 hours. You're sitting there. Just, just fucking sucks. <laughs> 16 is a lot. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I think you have to share with everyone the number of monitors that you use at your desk before, uh, before we wrap up, though. Uh, I, have, I have four monitors. Four? How, in what configuration? Uh, it's two on top, two on the bottom. Dude, That's sick. I need I, more. That would be so clean. Yeah. All right. So, do the ones on top like are they angled down a little bit, and then what? Like, where do you keep what tabs and all that? Oh, uh, my my computer screens are a fucking mess. I'll literally have a thousand windows open, all scattered around. I'll literally have like four different works. Like you know how like so in our systems we have like different workstations. So like you remote into one work workstation, then like. You can remote it to another one. So I'll have like yeah. six different workstations open. I'll be switching through them all with each, all with like a thousand different like windows open, different Excels open. It's a complete mess, but they're kind of angled down, but they're mainly like angled inward to each other. Are you, are you like so overloaded to the point where like you just do whatever you can every day and then you just figure it out the next day? Yeah. Or is it like, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll get, a, I'll have like things to do in that week. And, yeah, you yeah. just got to get those things done. Yeah, exactly. No, I feel you because there have been times where I've been busy, but it's like I still can get everything done every day, but barely. But yeah. I've also been so busy where I literally, it's just it would you can never get it all done in a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just like like I'll, I'll uh, like if we if we so like we. All of our work is, you know, deal driven. So in a specific deal, a, uh, a client will be like, oh, you know, can you run this and this and that? So there'll be more ad hoc stuff during the day. But we'll also have like my overarching projects that I need to complete. You know? Like, I guess he gave us the, his, the description of his job. And then it was just like some pros that just so he got. <laughs> yeah. For the money. For the green. Um, you know, I will say one thing is like, you know, it, it is, it, it the job does suck. It, it's also good, right? But like, you just have to be more, you have to really know what you want to do 
and sort of utilize each position that you that you go into it and have that mindset like where it's like okay i'm using this to get to that right you don't ever, you don't ever want to stay in one place have your eye yeah. on the bigger picture it helps yeah you. you always have to be very strategic about the positions that you take and that's like one of the reasons why i took this job as well right it's, it's part of my over my oh my bigger strategy it's god's plan yes sir Hopefully, hopefully, all of that stuff made sense, and I just wasn't like. No, it did. Okay. I think. I think yeah, that was a lot of good info. Is, is there anything else that you want to say before you leave us, or mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything else you want to ask? I just wanted to thank for showing us that, regardless of how stressed and how much we think we have to do in a day, somebody's always got it worse. <laughs> Yeah, this is also in America, which yeah. is like, you know, very high quality of life. Could be um, much, even way worse than that. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean in terms of nine to five life. I mean, if we were living in Europe, it would be so much better, actually. That's a different story. Yeah. I like, you always hear that saying, like, Europeans, they work to live, and then Americans live to work. It's true. 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 Sad, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank, appreciate uh, it. No, thank you, guys. Really appreciate this. Would love to come back sometime. Yeah, let, you should come back when you've made the next jump in your career, because then we yeah. can talk about it and see, you know, if you found a place that you're happy at. Definitely, definitely. That'd be great. I hope it work works out for you going forward. And then you could speak. I mean, actually, I don't know if you can, but maybe you could speak openly about how you feel regarding the people that have been yelling at you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, in my next life, I'll definitely give more of a candid take. And thank you, everyone, for listening. You know where to find us at Black Box Podcast. Uh, no A in the Black on Instagram and Twitter. There is an A on, in the Black on TikTok. You could email us at blackboxsubmission at gmail.com for literally anything you would like. And uh, again, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Really had fun.